This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, RD ready for the big kickoff. United's love of Levitt, could it pay off? And hopefully no more woe for Whiten. Hello and welcome to this week's Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duffy. And joining me for the big season preview, George Cran. Hello. And also here for a continuation of pre-season is Alan <laughs> Temple. Hello. Yeah, before we get into Dundee's big kickoff on Saturday, do you not miss the thing where the season started with everyone involved at the same time? I like a league game as the first game of the season, I must admit. Um... I get that feeling, but uh, I don't really want to wait another month for the season to start. <laughs> yeah, we were just kind of discussing that their pre-season friendlies aren't anyone in this room's favourite no. part of the process. So although it does create a staggered starting point, it's kind of nice that, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but the Premier Sports Cup does give you this sort of weird hinterland between a pre-season friendly and a competitive game that I would much rather watch than yeah. just a pre-season game and I'm saying that knowing that I'm going to need to big up behind closed doors games in Spain and a friend, <laughs> yeah, no, friendlies I, against Sunderland and Fleetwood because you're going to Spain next week <laughs> but yeah you know so you know we're going to probably have to pretend that these friendlies are big <laughs> games from a Dundee United perspective but let's be honest they're, they're not they're, they're fitness exercises yeah I, I have to admit to a, quite a big dose of hypocritical selfishness because while I like that sort of anticipation of the the week leading up to the first league game and I like that to be the very first game and everyone's starting if I was doing a game on a game on Saturday, I'd much rather be doing Dundee or someone else in the Premier Sports Cup, mm. as they call it, mm -hmm. than a pre-season friendly because this necessary evils always springs to mind about pre-season friendlies. But George, it's no pre-season friendly for Dundee, although they still have a one friendly to come at some point. But they kick off with a with a good tie actually on Saturday, don't they? Be an interesting one that they're um, obviously championship season coming up, and it's a wee tester for that. Hamilton in the well, are obviously in the championship. Queen's Park are also in the championship in their group, so they've actually got the most championship heavy of all the groups, three of them in there. So it will give us a wee indication of, of where they're at in terms of the, the competition in that in the league. But I'm looking. I'm interested to see what Gary Bowyer does with his first team. Now, they're a bit short of bodies with injuries and stuff at the moment. Um, I was up at Montrose on Tuesday for their, their second pre-season uh, friendly uh, and their defence was a bit... Cammy Kerr was at centre-back alongside Ryan Sweeney. Josh Mulligan was at right-back. They were kind of putting moving players about to fill spots rather than where they, they'll probably play the most of their football this season. So I'm interested to see what he does when it's the, the real ball comes out on Saturday. If he sticks with a similar kind of team or it looks more like the team he wants to put out. That was a long way of saying that, I think. Yeah, which a lot of fans won't. Some fans will worry and I, uh, I'm on the worrying camp list. 
because I always worry when it's Dundee because I'm used to things going wrong. <laughs> That's just life as a Dundee fan, boys. But a lot of fans won't worry and in my calmer moments, I wouldn't worry either because this is about getting ready for the league season. But the problem is, Alan, there's, if you can progress in this cup, there's a wee bit of money to be earned too. And these days, money is always welcome. Yeah, absolutely. There's a balance to be struck and there is a challenge between your team being ready, your recruitment being done and having to win games at this stage. But what it's worth remembering is that challenge gets even tougher the lower down you go, if you like, without being disrespectful to teams that are probably smaller in terms of you know structure and stature than Dundee. So they'll be playing teams that even at this current stage of the season, they should be hoping to, to beat because the challenges that teams with lesser resources than Dundee or, you know, Dundee are all, have already strengthened. They've brought in players that they're, you know, quite excited about. So there's every every reason to think that they should be able to win. But the one thing I was interested from the from the game the other day, I noticed a, a tweet mentioning that, you know, there was a, you know, positive signs in terms of Jakubiak and, and Ruddin's link. And last week we spoke about whether or not Dundee's attack needs sufficiently strengthened or whether they do have a attacking pool that just needs to be fit and ready and get a season under their belt and I'm wondering if that'll have sown a few seeds I've, I've been a big fan of Alex Yukibak although a lot of Dundee fans aren't obviously because he's never ever been fit it yeah. just seems a constant injury problem after problem uh, some of it unfortunate and, and some of it just well, he's just had no luck at all since he's been at Dundee. But I think maybe that we loan at Partick at the end of the last season, where he didn't really pick up an injury and he played a lot of games, will have done him the power of good to come in at this season. I was going to say actually, did do we need to give maybe only time will tell, but a bit of credit to James McPeak. He didn't just sign uh, Zach Rudden at the same time he sent. Jakubiak out to Partick to get him game time mm -hmm. and in, uh, in fairness to McPeak he could have said well I'm under pressure here I need everybody yeah. but he actually put the boy out on loan for the second half of the mm -hmm. season to make sure he got game time and Dundee might reap the benefits of and, that and he gave him a new contract at that point that, yeah. that surprised a few people because uh, Jakubiak's contract was up at the end of last season uh, and obviously he, he hardly played any games he played a few but not nearly as many as, as they're hoping from him because uh, they knew he, he had talent and he'd, he'd be good at championship level um, we're still waiting to see that fully in a Dundee shirt but I think we could see it providing he stays fit but I think that's the issue looking at Dundee's squad at the moment Killing Sheridan's still coming back from his Achilles uh, injury, he's not featured in pre-season at all between him and Alex Yukubek, I think they've got one goal, yeah. one Dundee goal between them um, in their time obviously injuries have meant their time has been pretty short on the pitch but that puts a lot of pressure on Zach Rudden but speaking to him after <laughs> the Matros game, he, he, he doesn't care about pressure, I don't think he's only interested in scoring goals and he thinks he can thinks he can double he's looking to double last season's tally he got for Partick he got nine in all competitions for Partick so he's telling me he wants at least 18 
which is well done to the boy. I yeah. was going to say uh, the amount of different press conferences and interviews <laughs> we've sat through, and, and Tam yeah. have sat through many more than we have. But where they say well, we're not really setting any targets for this season, or I'll just take every game as it yeah. comes. It's quite. It's nice to hear a player come out okay. and say, "Nah, do you know what? I fancy twenty. <laughs> you can speak to boys February, March. How many do you think you'll? You'll finish up the season with it. What are you aiming for? No, I've not got a target. I've not got a target. They always do as two, well. Two yeah, days later, they scored their 20th goal. Say, that wasn't my target for the season. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to execute you if you only get 19, son. Just say it. And if you don't, say you don't. But if yeah. you do, say you do. And then you say, well, we'll see if we'll get there. But I, I mean, Punters well like done. a bit of bravado as well, yeah, don't I they? Think so. Hey, you, he scored nine goals in the first half of last season in, for a championship exactly. club. Setting himself a target of 18 is not dissimilar to what most Dundee fans will be thinking he should be scoring this season. And and if he embraces that and enjoys any pressure that brings, it's a lot better than worrying about it, isn't it? Yeah, I'd speak to Zach. He's a lovely guy. I don't think he worries a bit too much, to be honest, which I think is a good thing in in his situation. Um, He's only... (laughs) It was very clear from every interview he's only really interested in scoring goals, um, which coaches will try and add more stuff to his game, obviously, but from a football fan's point of view, that's what you want from your strikers. Uh, and I, I think he'll, he'll, he'll do just fine this season in terms of his goal tally. Um, he's done fine in the Championship previously. You'd think in this Dundee team, he should get more chances than, than Partick, or the Partick had a good season last season. Um, I, th- I would think this Dundee team should create more chances for him and he'll take them. And you'll be on it, even when he plays away at Park Thistle this year, because they're not sharing anymore, he'll be on a better pitch than he was <laughs> for, for Hill. So you hope so. But George, what, after a long wait, they made a signing. They did. Imagine that. Tyler French has come in from Wrexham. Um, By the way, somebody told me they're signing from France. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at boy. I went, no, he's n- you're allowed to have a name. <laughs> he's um, uh, paid a undisclosed fee from. A, I'm told it's unlikely to be a very high fee, but it's a fee nonetheless. That doesn't that often doesn't happen. happen often these days, does it? No, um, and Gary Bowie knows him well. Obviously signed him for Bradford uh, from non-league football, actually. Um, he's had a couple of seasons at Bradford. He didn't play a huge amount of games. He played some. Uh, and then he transferred to Wrexham. And actually, a bit of uh, Hollywood glamour, obviously, at Wrexham with Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney owning Wrexham. They, they actually... They I've heard of one of them. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, the, the strange story of when French actually signed for Wrexham, their takeover hadn't quite gone through. I think it was very close, but the transfer window was about to shut. So they actually, to get Tyler French's signing over the line, they actually donated money to the club separately. So it was, he was basically bought by Ryan Reynolds. So uh, would he have been their, pretty much their first signing there? There was two of them on the same day, but yeah. <laughs> so there's a bit of Hollywood glamour. I'm, I'm, uh, this afternoon, uh, as we're recording on Thursday, Dundee are doing their, their press conference. We'll be going up to speak to Mr. French to find out exactly what his dealings with uh, 
You can see why that might stuff. that might uh, appeal to Dundee's American owners a bit of, <laughs> a bit of high level negotiation oh, with yeah. uh, with Ryan. <laughs> but, oh, I was, I was you can also wondering. see his first mistake, mistake somebody shouting, "Oh, you thought about acting, son." <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering if John Elms was a, a big fan of Deadpool, but I'm not sure that might be his style. But <laughs> I've seen that. <laughs> it's good. Um, <laughs> the excitement in Tam's face when he gets a contemporary I, I know, reference. I know. Oh, I've seen a film that came out in the last ten years. <laughs> so, last film I watched, by the way, was Destry Rides Again, Marlena Dietrich and James Stewart. I watched it very recently, but I think it was made in 1939. Right. Okay. Is that one of those kind of little, kind of lazy afternoon movies that you can enjoy now? Are you been spying on me? <laughs> TCM or whatever that old movie channel is. Oh no, it's a streaming service. Oh, I'm, okay. up, I'm up to, I'm up to okay. date with, okay. with those. I won't, I won't name which one, mainly because I can't remember. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's uh, a defender. Um, I think last season he played mainly at right back, right wing back, also on the, on the right of a back three, so he can play in the centre as well. Um, Seems like he's quite athletic and obviously versatile. So interesting to see where Gary Boer slots him in. Um, he didn't feature on Tuesday at Montrose, although he was there. Um, whether he'd be fit and ready for Saturday, we'll have to wait and see. No coincidence, Alan, that he can play more than one position. Modern modern managers ain't like that, but modern budgets dictate if you if you can play two or three positions. It makes you it's desirable. 100%. It's becoming one of the most common things that a manager will cite when you speak to them about a new signing. It's that he can play in, in one or two positions. Because if you want to run a squad that's high on quality, and by definition you'd maybe need to pay a little bit more for that quality, then that is going to affect your ability to have 22, 23 senior players on your books. So if you can have one player that fills three roles, takes three boxes, for example, then that's absolutely worth its weight in gold. I mean, obviously, there's a, a temptation from my perspective to come at things from a sort of tangerine, you know, glasses. But, yeah, I look at someone like a Liam Smith, who, you know, can play right back, mm. left back, centre half, defensive midfield, box to box midfield last season. Now that's a player that, and he didn't let them down at any one of those positions. So that's a, that's what every club is, is looking for at this stage beyond perhaps those very, very refined amount of clubs in Scottish football that can actually run a squad of 22, 23 mm. players. That's becoming more and more rare. So definitely a benefit and particularly if he's good in all of those positions, which is, is going to be <laughs> yeah, the key element of, it, of that, then that's absolutely, um, that's manna from heaven in modern football. Have you, again, you've been delving in my past. I played everywhere from goalkeeper to centre, centre midfield. But were you good in any of them? No. <laughs> wow. Nightmare. My best position was always unused sub. Oh. I have to be honest about that. Chopping the oranges. Bad news though, George. Couple of injuries, Max Anderson, Jordan McGee, who could be both actually both of them big players. Yeah, though well, could Jordan, be Dundee's central midfield next season. Could be, although Josh Mulligan might have something to say about that. Um but they showed when Dundee got promoted uh in their last goal at the championship that those two were, were key players, Max Anderson was in his first season Jordan McGee turned into a midfielder um, which surprised everybody and was absolutely excellent and alongside Charlie Adam the two of them combined very well um, 
both uh, have been missing in the pre-season matches. Max Anderson trained on Monday. Uh, they didn't want to risk him on the AstroTurf at Montrose, so he should should be in contention for Saturday. John McGee has injured an ankle. They're not expecting it to be for long, but I, I get the feeling that he won't be won't be around on Saturday. Um, but he's exactly the type of player you're just talking about, Alan. A, a guy who can play, he could play anywhere across the back. He could play in midfield. You could probably put him on the wing if you were really struggling. Um, and he's a, he's a leader in that squad, so that they'd like to get him back, um, especially with they're missing. Uh, G. Chapman, he's, he's not back uh, in the UK yet. Some paperwork issues with getting him back from North America uh, after his break during the summer. Um, we'll wait and see what it's happens funny with that. funny that paperwork issues always happen more in sunny countries when it's sunny. <laughs> Imagine that. They don't tend to happen in January yeah. when it's there's two foot of snow on the eastern <laughs> seaboard of America. Or if a player's future seems in doubt, all of, us, all, all of a sudden they're not quite so yes. prompt back to training and there's paperwork issues. It's, it is funny, that. I know. We'll, we'll wait and see if, if he does indeed come back because it obviously didn't make any sort of impact on, no. the, on the first team last season. And I uh, understand he's got a decent contract at Dundee and we'll wait and see what happens with that um, but they're, they're obviously still missing Lee Ashcroft Adam Legstons and Killian Sheridan as well so we've basically got six first team players missing which is quite a lot for a, for a small squad a fairly small squad yeah any word on when any of them will be uh, first team available well Adam Legston's got the green light from the I think it was the surgeon or specialist anyway that was looking at his knee uh, that he can he can get straight back into full training so that not expecting them to be back immediately but in, in the next couple of weeks um, and the other two I guess it's just wait and see uh, hopefully we may see them on the bench over the next few weeks uh, I speaking to Gary Boyer a couple of weeks ago about them. I think they'd be looking to get them ready for the the league season. If 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 they've got any chance of that, that's what they'll be aiming for. Interesting. So, just on that point, is that is this where you get you get the sense of appointing a Gary Boyer type manager, guys, because he'll have been through this sort of pre-season before. Yeah, although it's different, obviously, with the Premier Sports Cup, he's he's quite pleased about that. Um, have because he's in the same boat as us, that he doesn't particularly like pre-season friendlies, he told us. Um, the f- chat we had with him a few weeks ago, he, he'd much rather have competitive games. Um, so I think he's looking forward to the new, something a bit different from the, the norm down south, uh, with getting straight into the, the cup matches. Um, although I th- he did say on Tuesday night that he would much rather have been able to play his trialists that he's got in at the moment. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's been going on for. I don't understand that about the. I call it the League Cup. I don't understand I call it the why. The Cup still. <laughs> yeah. Still. Yeah, they were. We were talking about this before the, the the mics went on, and I think it's pretty ridiculous that trialists aren't allowed to play, particularly. And I alluded to earlier some of the challenges that face lower league teams with really finite budgets who need to be so careful on what they spend and be so judicious in the players they bring to the club. To say to them, in early July, 
you need to have a competitive squad ready that yeah. can play in a... It's, it's ludicrous. I get that you want to protect the integrity of a competition, but if you want to do that, then maybe say we'll limit it to two trialists or three trialists. Mm -hmm. But you need to give clubs like... For goodness sake, you've got clubs like Fraserburgh in this competition. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Sterling Albion. Well, yeah, all I saw John, the, uh, John Rankin saying he doesn't really have enough players. And the same article, Jim McAnally making the point you don't want to be coerced into signing exactly just people just signing it, contracts yeah. and then you've committed part of your budget for a year for the sake of games in July. Yeah. I mean, Jim always been quite plain talking, basically said in, in those same quotes. You know, we'll see how the, you know the TV like the rules when there's a match on television and we can only play one substitute, you know, yeah. so it'll be embarrassing. So yeah. that's the situation we're in. And while I do respect that it's a competitive tournament and you need to kind of respect the, the integrity of that, there needs to be a middle ground. There yeah. needs to be some common sense because this is really, really damaging to, to lower league clubs because not only are they probably not ready squad-wise for this, but this is another weekend where they could be playing a friendly and could mm -hmm. be playing these trialists, which would help them decide how to build their squad for the start mm -hmm. of the league season. So it's it's not only difficult, it's you could argue that it's quite damaging. Yeah, and this, this summer as well seems different in that a lot of teams are really struggling to bring people in. It's not just Dundee United, obviously, at the moment, one signing over the line. But you see a lot of the, the lower league teams... I've lost a lot of players at the end of last season yep. and not brought them back and not made up those numbers bringing people in. So I, th I think there'll be some really big scores this Saturday, to be honest with some of the games. Um, Dundee. <laughs> we'll wait till you. Yeah, that it's Dundee. Start you seen, George, you have to break it. Come on, get, get the juices flowing, get the punters out there. <laughs> Turning up early. You don't, want, you don't want to give John Rankin any more motivation than he's already got for, for beating Dundee. So Although there's always a bit of needle with a Dundee-Hamilton match. So Yeah. Some of them we haven't really talked about. It's there. It exists. And I'm well aware of it. And I don't know why. I don't know why it's so. It was, it was not possible the... because they, they were competing with each other yeah. far too often <laughs> in, the, in the championship. Does it... The, not stem or, or blew up a bit uh, in Paul Hartley's first season when they won the title. They were both battling for the championship title. Is that not where it came from? Yeah, I don't know. My remembrance. But that, and it, it, in fairness, it tends to be a bit more. I mean, there's been a couple of uh, tasty games, don't get me wrong, but it tends to be the fans yeah. don't like each other. But they'll be, they'll be quite far away from each other. Right? Yeah, it's hard to find camera, a Hamilton so. fan, to be honest. And that, but, but, the, 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 uh, having had that little jab, I would also, I would also add Hamilton. A club when you went to cover a game, they always looked after you really well. Mm -hmm. They were really nice. Went out, not just you know with, with the facilities for covering the game, but after the match, we'd go out their way to get players from your team and make sure that everything that you wanted was was catered for and the fans just hate them <laughs> to be fair the Dundee fans don't know how well fed you're getting tapped that's not how they make their decisions on rivalries <laughs> I meant on a, I meant on a professional side Alan but yes the sandwiches were very good yeah we, we, we all know what a score is here <laughs> I had, a cho I had a choice there, Fran. <laughs> Meat, chicken, a wee bit of mayonnaise. Oh, it was great. 
Just a shame the games at Dens had go. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be right through it in New Douglas Park. It's always a very easy place to get parked. Yeah. And, and when you got to the latter years of my career, that was <laughs> that was a big thing. <laughs> we mentioned the manager. We'll find out he's he's got competition from within his squad. Cammy Kerr. Yeah. Oh, I think, Is there anything yeah. Cammy doesn't want to do at Dens? Probably not. I think he'd he'd like to go every job. I think at, at Dens Park, he's dark blue through and through, isn't he? Um, and I'm not surprised that one day he would like to be in the hot seat. Um, might be, even though he's on in his testimonial year. I think it would be be a, a long way, way away. Yeah. yeah. Um, Could be ten, fifteen years away. Yeah. I think uh, he's got to be the youngest guy ever to get testimonial, surely. Yep. 26, 27. This is Dundee, remember. <laughs> he might be a granddad by now. But, but I, I know the, the camera. I'll get a comment. <laughs> well, I was trying to move on very swiftly. <laughs> uh, I, I know it's cam has been doing coaching for a, a, a long time now. So I, I, it does not surprise me that one day he wants to go into coaching after he hangs up his boots. But he's got plenty of time in those legs yet he seems a lovely bloke is he not too nice to be a manager surely he doesn't want to doesn't want to dirty himself with that side of the game <laughs> it's a lovely guy game's though. moved on from all that shouting and screaming <laughs> I think he, I think he's got a bit more uh, a bit of uh, steel about him as well so I well you see that and he's player he's another one who if you he's a wholehearted player he's an yeah. effort player but he's a very intelligent boy ah. you, you, you forget that I mean maybe the best example in Scottish football just now is who looked at Jim Goodwin in a St Mirren strip and thought this eloquent yeah. football-based coach was was hidden somewhere within? And and that's what you forget. I mean, people very often these players who base their game on effort and keeping it simple and getting stuck in, it's because they've got the intelligence to know they don't have the ability of some of the the, the great ball mm-hmm. players. Uh, in squads around the country so they do the focus on what they're good at yeah even to kind of not to bring it back to my side of the street but Jack Ross is another really good example of that you know yeah. player that played for Clyde Camelon Juniors lucky you know that's a uh-huh. that's a guy that knew his own limitations and had, was forced to make the best out of every situation he had in the game so there's definitely something in that I, I wouldn't mention Jack Ross in the Dundee <laughs> section I don't think I'll go down well somehow uh, what might have been uh, <laughs> Oh, so it was just three, four, five times the try. Well, how many was it? I'm, I'm sure if there's ever another derby while well, Jack Ross is in charge of United, he will be welcomed at Dens yeah. with open <laughs> arms by fans. Yeah, but he'll be in Spain next week. I wonder if John Elms might pop. <laughs> oh, George. <laughs> nice bit of history there, George. <laughs> well, that's about that for Dundee. Yeah. I must say that I think Dundee've got good manager anyway after, yes, after I, 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 so. I'm inclined to agree I like yeah. the, the cut of Boyer's job I have to say you being impressed then? yeah I just like the way he handles himself he's, he's very calm and measured and quite open with, with everything uh, that shows somebody who's pretty confident in what he does so we'll wait and see what his team looks like um, and obviously he's not been able to sign as many players as he would like I imagine at this point but it's still at early days. We'll see how things go on Saturday. Good stuff. 
moving swiftly across the road to summer holiday side of the street still, where United are still building up. There's only two words, Alan. Dylan Levitt. Yes, the reason why I'm slightly rudely checking my phone every couple of minutes in this room because... Oh, I was wondering, I thought you were looking to see if <laughs> Boris has spoken yet. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what is funny? Most of, most of the Twitter updates <laughs> are actually that. So, um, and we've, we thought football was a crazy world of yeah, a bit. United, um, United might have announced still in live it by now, but it's just getting spammed out by resignations at number 10. <laughs> um, so, but no, uh, all being well, we would expect uh, Dylan Levitt it to be a Dundee United player imminently, um, certainly before the squad jet out to Spain on Sunday, but um, I would hope that we are recording this on Thursday. Um, by close of play on Thursday, I think all being well, um, I would expect Dylan Levitt to be a Dundee United player again. Um, might be a slight delay on that, you know, it's not up to me when Dundee United announced their signings, but all was going well. Um, I believe he was in Scotland on Wednesday, just ironing out finer, finer details and having discussions with the hierarchy. Fans are always quite uh, quick to jump to the. Well, he's back. He's signed. There were still things to be yes. ironed out. Just Aye. you know, just because he's in a uh, in a nice hotel having a chat doesn't it's mean nice that to, it's nice to speak face to face about important career decisions. Exactly. That's what was going on. But you don't get to that stage without there being a tacit acknowledgement that this is the end game. So um, it's a. By the time you you listen to this, Dylan Levitt could very well be a Dundee United player and a lot's a risky business to make assumptions in this game. Let's make that assumption and say it's a fabulous bit of business. Yeah. As, as well as the the factual side of it that we know that it's very close. We want it to happen and it would be a great sign. Oh, absolutely. A and great coup for the for United, given his abilities. Yeah, I, I, did, I did notice somebody replied on, on Twitter saying, how come every time Dundee United sign a good player, someone calls it a coup? Are we not allowed to have good players? Which is taking <laughs> a, a word that I used in my article um, and extrapolating all sorts of meanings that wasn't intended. Uh, this is a coup. He's yeah, a 21-year-old yeah. Manchester United player who has 12 caps for Wales and is going to the World Cup. It's a coup. It's not a dig Aye. at anyone. And who <laughs> so, is... Who's wanted by other clubs? Yes, who's wanted by clubs in the English Championship? It's a it's a fabulous signing, and go back to the end of last season where Dylan Levitt had been the heartbeat of that Dundee United team, scored six goals, one assist, been terrific. Talk of you know talk of the town. Who really believed Dundee United mm. were going to get him back? That's the measure of what a big deal this transfer is because fans didn't think for a minute Dylan Levitt would be back up the road, but. I think the the one thing, and we will probably get on to this, that's really struck in Dundee United's favour. They've been, they've been able to sit down with Dylan and say, listen, you'll be playing every week, you'll be the heartbeat of this team, and we've already proven that by doing that, you get in the Wales squad. Yeah. So come back to Dundee United, and if you're fit, you go to the World Cup. Whereas I don't think that's a guarantee that clubs in the English Championship can make because it's a tough, tough league. And if Dylan didn't hit the ground running at, for example... A, Card uh, a Cardiff, then, uh, you know, all of a sudden your dream of Qatar is wobbling. Hmm. Yeah, imagine spending December in Qatar, uh, in Cardiff, not Qatar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but it's just, uh, and it's, it's a vindication should this go through. Again, you know, 
you know, we've had Sean Maloney gate on this podcast and things like that. So we, oh. you know, we're, we're probably I don't remember that. <laughs> so, but football is like that. It's a transient business. So you know, we are tempting fate. So you know, apologies if it all goes wrong. But providing no, it, no apologies. <laughs> you get criticised for sitting on the fence. You, mm. you get off the yeah. fence. You get criticised. That's the, just oh. the way the way life is. Well, might I mean a great sign. It also makes sense for the boy. Just because of that one word, Qatar. Yeah, absolutely. He knows. He knows. He that unless he does something stupid or something unfortunate happens, he's going to get the chance to show Wales on a weekly basis that he should be on that plane. Yeah, it's, I think the fact that Dundee United can point to the evidence of him having been a regular in the Wales squad all last season, basically. Um, based on his performances for Dundee United is just a absolutely massive selling point. So that's huge. And I, I think should it all go through fine, it is worth crediting, you know, Jack Ross, who will have had to be persuasive, but most of all the recruitment team and the sporting director, Tony Ashgar, because they have had to be patient and they have basically said, this is our prime target. This is what we are working on. And there's an element of a lot of eggs in that basket. Mm, See, yeah, if this hadn't yeah. have gone through, Dundee United would be quite deep into the transfer window now and thinking, what is our plan B to Dylan Levitt? So it was a, a slight gamble to basically say, this is our guy. And to an, element, you know, to an extent, they've done that with other players as well. You know, Xander Clark, you do worry if they don't get Xander Clark, what is their goalkeeping plan B? Mm -hmm. But on the Dylan Levitt one, they appear to have, you know, yeah, hit double sixes and, and it's come in yeah. for them so it's uh, you know it's you know, well done to the recruitment team on this one well, that's the thing he, he was so such a big influence last season and, and such a big part of the team that if you don't get Dylan Levitt I mean how many other players out there are of his quality or that type of player that United can get there's, there's barely any I, I would say which it's no I, I don't think to there's how big a deal it is yeah. I'll be honest the end of last season, we didn't think they'd get to keep him. Yeah, exactly. And so, that's why, I mean, I'm sure they say, time of speaking, yeah. we don't know. We don't know the exact details. Is it permanent? Is it another loan? Who cares? Yeah, as long as he's playing tangerine, that's that's all. That really yeah, we were saying just before we came yeah. on here. Whatever, whatever the nature of his contract, the biggest battle if you once United get this over the line in a year's time, they'll probably be fighting to keep him. Whether it's yeah. you know whether it's signing yeah. them then on a permanent contract or fending off bids, because he's a yeah. hell of a player. Well, I, I would always he's a great player for the league, not just Dundee yeah. United. Yeah. He showed that with the, the quality of the goals he scored last time. I I always see that as a positive argument. If, if you're fighting to keep hold of your players, that means that they've done really well for your team. Mm -hmm. So that means that you've been successful as a team generally. Um, Although you don't want to lose your best players, but I always, always see that as a positive for a team or a player being successful means there has been success at well, the club. I mean, in a, in a general sense, is it worth praising Dundee United for maybe in recent seasons adopting a far more mature approach to this? They're a club of a certain size. They're not. A, they're not a small club. Certainly not by Scottish standards. But out there in that big wide world, there's plenty bigger clubs there. And if one of their players is doing well, they'll struggle to keep him because there are a lot of people with a lot more money. And therefore, rather than bleat about it every time, which happened as recently as the Stuart Armstrongs and the Gary Mackay-Stevens, which is within, well within a decade, rather than 
as a club, be upset about it and put on this facade of pretending, oh, we did all we could to keep him, except that That's in the, the modern player, yeah. game... Players are going to go, so your job is to make sure there are players to replace them, and that's what they've done very successfully in the last couple of years. Yeah, I guess the the difference with the players you mentioned would be obviously them heading to Glasgow, but at the same time, your wider point is absolutely bang on, and I think the club have made no secret that that is the business yeah. plan, and mm-hmm. it's primarily for younger players. You know, the, the, that's why all the focus is on the academy. However, if you can turn around a um, you know, a 21-year-old or a 22-year-old, then absolutely, that you know, that's, that is part of that same overarching structure. Any club in Scotland that says it's not a selling club beyond... In fact, I was going to say beyond Rangers and Celtic. Not beyond Rangers yeah, and Celtic. Joe Arebo's away boys Southampton. Southampton. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so, like, any club in Scotland that says they're not a selling club um, are lying. Any club in the world that says they're not a selling club right. beyond Manchester City, PSG, etc., are lying. It's just about... Well, what what the bigger fish in comparison to you are? You're saying that beyond that, but even the first thing I thought about uh, PSG the other month when they re-signed Mbappe on a three-year contract was, it's really a two-year contract. The third yeah. year's there so that they can get money for him in yeah. two years' time, but which is the mistake they had made, and that's yeah. why they've paid him a fortune, had to pay him a fortune in signing on fees and giving him all sorts of power. So every, every club has to do things... So what, what's wrong with being honest about it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. But how how close is Jamie McGrath though? And how do you think they would they would combine? I think well, it could be interesting. I think for United, it would be fantastic for United. Jamie McGrath is a his numbers, and you know I will point you towards the, the Evening Telegraph website where we've done a sort of and today Thursday's paper where we've done a sort of deep dive into Jamie McGrath's numbers. You know, particularly through his best season, 2020-21 with St Mirren. And, yeah, real player. Plays advanced in the pitch, attacking midfield. Something that Dundee United really been lacking, that link between central midfield, the engine room, and attack. Can play on either flank, can play centre-forward at times. Is For his entire spell at St Mirren, 27 goal contributions in 79 games. Those are big numbers for a team that doesn't create a load no, of chances. So, granted, it's not gone well at Wigan, and I think he suffered from the interest that swirled around him during his final half campaign at St Mirren. He was, he was basically a Hibs player at the end of the summer window. Ironically, Jack Ross is Hibs, you know. Yeah. But there was a, a paperwork issue. There was technicalities. Again, we're talking about how things can collapse at the last minute. That is what happened in, in the summer deadline day. Jamie McGrath was a was a Hibs player in his head and I think his St Mirren numbers showed that there's quotes from Jim Goodwin from back then that basically said he's you know he's he's suffering a wee bit from the speculation so I think that carried over to Wigan where he's not quite done him perhaps done himself justice or had the opportunity to do himself justice and I think a trip you know back north of the border playing for a manager who's got a long time regard for him yeah. could be fantastic mm. but it's a case of that's all fine and well but um you know, Dundee United need to come to an agreement with Wigan and their, their CEO, old pal, 
Mal Brannigan, who's now um, who's now oh, working for that. Yeah, so uh, there's a wee bit of a wee bit of friends reunited. If, well, if that's the right phrase, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> well, the fact that there's obviously a, a, an open line of dialogue there would uh, suggest that it's, it's positive. <laughs> but we, we will we will go and see if if suddenly Jamie McGrath's offered to other clubs for twenty percent wages and then the United are having to pay the lot, then we know yeah. it's uh, it's maybe not a positive, but. Speaking generally, I think Jamie McGrath could be. If you look at Dylan Levitt dictating play from deep, Jamie McGrath higher up the pitch, finding pockets, having shots on goals, can also play wide of of you know, whoever the number nine Dundee United may bring in. Exciting signing, uh, you know. If they if they do that, but we should emphasise that that's not remotely as far on as, for example, um, a Dylan Levitt as as is our our understanding. But you know, touch wood that that might accelerate. And what about, you mentioned them earlier, what about Xander Clark, stroke goalie? Hmm. Options, options, options. Um, our colleague Eric had um, uh, a piece basically saying that, that Stoke were, were very much in, in pole position and I, I know that there's moving parts on Stoke's end that would have to churn into gear before they could perhaps table the offer they would like to for Xander Clark, such as the transfer window, especially in England where they're a couple of weeks behind us. Yeah. But you do worry that a club like Stoke simply could blow Dundee United out of the water yeah, financially and really Xander at the age that he is I think 29 I think Xander might yeah, be now yeah. will be looking for that contract that, that sorts him out um, for, you know perhaps for 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 a you know a portion of the rest of his life and uh, and you know makes his family comfortable and, and things like that and where and absolutely is what he should be doing at this stage of his life so you do worry that he, he would perhaps be inclined to hang on for that big offer from Stoke the one benefit Dundee United have is they've put something on the table in front of Xander Clark they've basically said here's what you've got and you know, a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush or whatever that phrase is. So, you know... Unless the bush is a tree. <laughs> there was an obscure metaphor for you. It's, at least it's not that Tesco one from last week. <laughs> I don't think I've finished that yet. So, um, uh, we'll, see what, we'll see what Xander's um, thought process is, but... I would be, uh, I would be less confident about that one than I would, I would, I was maybe about the the Dylan Levitt one, um, because I, I just think I, I wonder if Xander will be thinking more money first at a crack at England. Yeah, hmm. you know, and if if he fancies himself, it would be number one, or if he's pitched as number one at Stoke City, that's a huge club yeah. to go down and be number one. Yeah. At, a huge club. They'll have aspirations to challenge to get promoted to the Premiership. So, sorry, the Premier League. So real competition there for, for Dundee United it's just that they have tabled their offer nice and early so could that turn Xander's head and I also have to say when I rose around this table know him much better than I do but Jack Ross has always come across back going back to I, I first really sort of encountered him albeit briefly as a St Mirren manager he's a very organised thoughtful guy he knows he's made he's quite rightly gone for a player Partly because of the local connections, who he knows might say, OK, I'll go to Dundee United. But you'll have other irons in that fire oh, and pull off a coup. <laughs> absolutely. And it should be noted that Dundee United's interest in Xander Clark goes back to well before Dundee United, uh, well before Jack Ross's yeah. appointment as manager. So he's come in and basically said, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'd take him in a heartbeat. You know, that's, that's yeah. evident. But Jack Ross will also have come in with... Um, 
his idea in terms of people that he would perhaps like to work with and he'll have spoken to that you know with Tony it's just whether it's whether Tony Asgar and and Jack Ross have a list of goalkeepers that are as good as Xander Clark is, is the big question mm. and certainly as proven good as Xander Clark in the Scottish Premiership and that's probably the key thing to emphasise because Carl Johan Eriksson came over to Scotland with a fabulous reputation he was voted the best goalkeeper in the Swedish top flight which is not a poor league and has barely been given he's barely been given a look in and you wonder if he's everything that perhaps the club expected so that's the danger if you bring in an unknown goalkeeper it's probably the one position on the pitch that there are so many variables and the style of football is so relevant to and challenging to adapt to that you maybe want that little bit of familiarity that someone like Xander Clark would bring or perhaps someone from from down south would bring but once there's a bit of bolstering done in the midfield a goalkeeper and a striker will certainly be the, the next ones that, that they need to tick off. Those are big priorities, particularly between the sticks. And, well, actually, I was going to say, looking at players who are at the club, but I was interested um, to see that young Lewis Nielsen felt the need to speak about his move from United to Hearts. The things that are making the headlines about that move, I didn't really see that he needed needed to be involved. Obviously it's him, but it's it's whether or not there's money due. I was I was a wee bit surprised that Well you know how it is. A, 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 a newspaper asks for a player and the club says you know, yeah. Barry, Barry Anderson from the Evening News uh, down in Edinburgh wants to speak to you, go and speak to him. Well, I mean, I don't want to speak to him. Two questions <laughs> and they go, oh, that's why you wanted to speak uh, to how, him. How, uh, uh, you know, given club media is very sorry media is very much considered a part of your club duties now as a footballer I don't think it would be a fabulous first impression for Lewis to make if he said I'm no speaking uh-huh. um, but so if the club and he seems to have been very diplomatic exactly I just, he'll I have been find it strange I know I, I know the media staff at, at Hearts very well and they're very very good at what they do so he'll have been briefed within an inch of his life so he's not said anything uh, in any way um, incriminating but it was interesting to hear from him in terms hmm. of he said a few the things of note in terms of preemptively deleting his, his, his uh, social media in terms of a, in fear of a, of a backlash but from what he said nothing too severe came from the, the Dundee United fans and I think there's a appreciation oh, that he's a, he's a young man that's made a career decision yeah. and the the contentious aspect of, of this deal is, is yeah, right it's I nothing mean, to do with him is money due for him because I, th- I think in fairness uh, whether they like him or not I think United fans understood that there's a wee cluster of them at that age for similar areas of the park so it's maybe not surprising that one of them hmm. given the opportunity thought well there's yeah. one or two ahead of me he's not a player that played 30 games no, last season no. yeah. so you know he is Lewis Nielsen's well within his rights to say uh-huh. well granted right, you may have offered me a new contract but my my amount of appearances last season yeah. doesn't make me feel as valued as Robbie Nielsen is on the phone right now. So I've decided to go a different mm. way. He's well within his rights to do that. The, as I say, the thing that makes this newsworthy is, is nothing to do with Lewis Nielsen, and I don't think he said anything, you know, overly, overly well, what blockbuster. Else? What, what else could he say? Because it's actually yeah. nothing to do with him. He won't have any clue about, and he shouldn't really need to have mm-hmm. any clue about what's going on with tri- tribunal or 
a signing fee it is between the clubs he got offered the chance to go to Hearts and he decided to take it it's, well I think someone were mentioned when this first happened that it was in a similar situation I remember I'm sure Charlie Telford when he signed for United <laughs> mm-hmm. and there was a big dispute over mm-hmm. whether or not Rangers were a two money at my recollection is Charlie didn't even know when the tribunal was yeah nothing to do with me and that's the way it should be because be. see if you Let start to think of, if you start to mm. think about that sort of stuff yeah. what a distraction that is you yeah. know so that it's one of these football clubs and there's no way around it there's every chance one of these football clubs are going to be made to look very very foolish yep. however Lewis Nielsen won't that's that's the way yeah. to, to see it Aye, someone's either not done the paperwork or someone else at the other end hasn't read the paperwork properly and we shall find out in the passage of time but yeah. of more interesting United fans people are already on the books Peter Pollock starting a long road to recovery yeah and I think it's quite a I think because Peter Pollock's been around for a while and he's had his injury problems he's maybe not a name that really excites you know Dundee United fans but I think he'd be a big player for them mm. to, to have fit again he was a real positive part of Dundee United's good start to the season under Tam Courts last season and we touched on what a Jamie McGrath might bring to the team that's exactly what Peter Pollock brought to the team an ability to carry the ball between the lines push forward cleverly pick up those pockets between attack and midfield so uh, I think he's a he's a talented player I always have thought he's a talented player that's never been in question the question is his fitness and he certainly with the noises he's making seems to suggest this as as injury free as he's felt he can properly stretch himself in the rehab and there's no lingering pain and if he's finally got he says it's been you know he's had like you know residual pain since 2017 so if he for the first time in five years is feeling pain free yeah. then that's it's good for Dundee United but even more than that it's great for Peter himself because you can only imagine you know being a top level footballer but just being in constant pain mm. you know for five years is, has been kind of a would have been a very difficult situation particularly if you're being criticised for not being fit and you know you're playing through the pain barrier you know it's great for Peter that he'll have the chance to um, to, to properly kick on you know feeling feeling good and he is he's a game changer isn't he yeah he's, he's, a, he's a moments player mm-hmm. so, yeah. so even yeah. if he even if he ends up playing 20-25 games instead of 40 to 50 games that could be worth yeah. 12 points for what he does and I think Jack Ross being a very much mo- a modern manager will be aware of that and then he's got to balance up is he worth the money but if you sit and look the, the one I always remember um, and it was a slight it was more age related it was a slightly different scenario but when I always thought that when Paul Hartley was at Dundee and let Gary Harkins go mm-hmm. he made a mistake because a, he was losing, I think it was Greg Stewart, he was also losing, so he was losing another big player. Harkins didn't have the influence he once had, but if you looked at the previous season, his assists and goals, yeah. you could directly correlate it to about 10 or 12 points. Yeah. That was Dundee yeah. finishing mid-table and not struggling against relegation. Mm-hmm. Equally, Peter Pollock is a player who might have limited game time, but when you look at his stats... He earns points and helps mm-hmm. win games. I think, as Alan said about the start of the season last season, I, I felt he was a real driving force in the yeah. United's good, good game. I, the one that sticks out to me is the game at St Johnston. I think it was a really tight game, but he scored the winner fairly late on, I think. Um, and the, there was quite a few moments like that where he just popped up 
at the right moment and and really pushed United on uh, to, to the really good start. And then, obviously, when they, they'd lost him in the second half of the season, they didn't have that same impact. I, I think you're, you're always a wee bit worried when it's an Achilles these days, uh, coming back from that, because it can be a difficult one. But, I, I th- yeah, I think he'd be a, a real plus point if they can get him back. And, as you say, pain-free. If, if, he's, if he's fit and firing, I think United have got a another good attacker on their hands and he's got a good brain on him as well uh, Peter Paul I, I think that can't, shouldn't be underestimated either he's, he's a good one around the around the camp and moving even further back than when Peter Pollock didn't have pain a name that's all bizarrely and in some ways still synonymous with United big dunks <laughs> left Everton to look for his own job in, as a manager. Well done, Tom. Ah, it's an interesting one, that. Um, usually you'd, you'd see a, a coach leaving to go into a job, but he's left so he can look for a job. It's a little different to what's the way things usually work, but I, I'm guessing he's just put himself in the shop window for for whenever a job appears. I have to say, uh, during his time at Tannerice, when he was just a young boy, let's be fair to him, Player most unlikely to <laughs> be named as a potential manager one day, but how times change. Yeah, some of the uh, the Duncan Ferguson stories that are out there, and many, many that aren't out there are, are, are quite mental. Some, uh, are quite are quite something. But at the same time, uh, more uh, recent evidence show uh, quite a thoughtful guy mm. that's grown up a, a lot, yeah. and, and his spells as caretaker when he's done press and stuff. You look at him and go, yeah, that's a. That's a switched-on guy that's obviously... And you don't work at a club like Everton as long as that without picking up a hell of a lot from some top managers, Roberto Martinez well, and Carlo Hanschelotti. You, you don't survive that long exactly. working with yeah, the first 100%. team. 100%. Because they keep changing their managers. Eventually, you'd think if you were a dud, well, I think one manager would say, get him out. Did Martinez not promote him to first-team yeah. coach? Yeah. Just tells you. There's not a chance that somebody... Frank Lampard wanted him to stay. Yeah. But there's not a chance that somebody like Carlo Ancelotti goes to Everton... Ah. Given the run of the place, because you need to to tempt him to Goodison Park, there's not a chance that you bring in Carlo Ancelotti and say, you have to work with Duncan Ferguson. Carlo Ancelotti decides who he works with. So the fact that he kept him as a sounding board and part of that coaching is speaks volumes. So he, Duncan Ferguson's clearly got something about him and I'm really excited to see what he mm. does next. I would love it to be in Scotland. But it seems hugely unlikely. Yeah. There's so many good opportunities down in England and he's settled there. And particularly in that part of the world, you would imagine there'll be a, a championship club or a League One club in that neck of the woods that'll take a punt on him. But, oh man, imagine Duncan Ferguson back in the you know what, It would be I, fabulous, I, wouldn't it? I do remember he was... <laughs> I used the word mental before, but he was, all, he was also in a strange way quite a deep lad. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and he was wasn't an hour sort of sort of sphere very long at United because he moved quite quickly. But I get a feeling he wouldn't want to come back to Scotland. Mm-hmm. Has, he That's has, a fair point. He has bad memories of of what happened to him up here, and while some of them were his fault, things that happened at Rangers, he'd look back on and wish he'd maybe done differently. I know that I know that he, with some justification, felt. Yeah. Uh, when he was involved with Scotland, the finger was often pointed at him, and there were others. There yeah. were others involved, but they were mm-hmm. they were 
overlooked. And when you become the story, it's difficult, yeah. isn't it? Because it then encourages a pile on you. If you, I know what's behind them too. Yeah, if, if he comes back up here, the people like us, let's be honest, will have double page feature spreads. Remember when this happened? Remember when that happened? Yeah. And uh, but I would still, I'd love to see him do well because he's he, his passion uh, for the games, fantastic. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. I, I'm really fascinated to see what he gets as his first job. And I think there'll be a lot of chairmen now down in down in England and, and you know, maybe even north of the border that are looking at that and thinking, you know what, if we do have a vacancy at any point, mm-hmm. then Duncan Ferguson, a, a guy with that experience now, is definitely going on the shortlist. Great stuff. After this, we'll round it with another former striker from these parts. But he's still playing. Yes, just to round off this week, a lad close to our hearts. Well, close to mine, because his granddad's my mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you, have to, you have to be honest about that. And his granddad actually scored more goals, but nice to see <laughs> Craig Whiten get another chance at Dunfermline. Yeah, it's obviously not a huge surprise, considering that his manager is James McPake. He knows very well from his time at... At Dundee and, and time in the gym at Dens. Yeah, um, we did a lot of rehab together when Craig had a bad knee ligament yeah. and James was trying to come back. I remember the photos with the the big biceps. Yes, that together. So that was. <laughs> um, so yeah, so really interested to see how we, how they get on together because uh, I think Craig White's not really. Realised his potential as a player that the world. Oh, sort definitely of not. Him, so. did, I I remember, partly because he's granddad's my mate, and uh, he was at Dundee at the time. He was he was regarded sixteen seventeen. He was regarded as the best of his age in the country, mm. and I and I can remember going to games and, and bumping into people who'd say, "Oh, I saw Dundee's youth team the other week. Glad he's got something." Yeah. And he definitely does. He's well. I remember when uh, in my previous job, when you know I'd covered a lot of Hibs and Hearts, and I remember when Hearts signed him from Dundee, and there was an absolute confidence within the building at Tynecastle that they would do with Craig White and what they'd done with John Souter, which is mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. take a player who'd perhaps dipped in Tayside and rediscover his potential and make him a you know a, a top top player. Now clearly it didn't work out a lot. You know it should be said. You know Craig White's played. A, I think he scored in a Scottish Cup semi-final. Did yeah. he score in the Scottish Cup final when they drew 3-3? Well, either way, he's, he he's represented yeah. Hearts in a, in a Scottish Cup final. So he's not a you know he's not a dud. You know, people that completely haven't yeah. realised their potential don't play in cup finals. They, you know, no. they don't you know, stick around for a couple of years at a club like Hearts. However, the what I, where I think misfortune has has kind of fallen upon on Craig is when he was signed permanently for. Dunfermline by Stevie Crawford he basically was given a two year deal and basically told the number nine shirt is yours you're playing every week and that was in January ended that season really well under Crawford and then Stevie Crawford walked away from Dunfermline for absolutely his own reasons and you know that can't be held against him but it then becomes does the next manager fancy you Hmm. and evidently Peter Grant didn't I was going to say as well as injury problems when he was round about the nineteen twenty mark, he's also been very unlucky yeah, that is, when it came to managers. Yeah, he's that, had a lot of managers. So you're at a told lot of clubs. You know, he had other options other than Dunfermline, yeah. good options. Uh-huh. And he's committed he committed his future there. 
because he was told you're going to be our main man. Finally playing well, every, finally playing changes. every single week. I mean, George would remember this. The the goal he scored at Dens Park, that little dinked chip when Dunfermline raced into, a, I think it was yeah. a two-goal lead early at Dens Park. Sublime. You know, he is a, he's, yeah. a, he's a talented striker, but he's never really had that run as a number nine, um, which he was told he was going to get at Dunfermline. Peter Grant comes in, and then John Hughes come in. Neither neither manager fancies Craig White, and in the meantime, they relegate Dunfermline. Yeah. You know, that that is misfortune. So I'm excited to see what, what Craig will now do um, under a manager who respects him, thinks he's a player and will give him a central role in the team but what I would say is now there's no excuses now yeah, he needs yeah. and he's playing He'll in league chance. and he's le- and he's playing in league 1 so Craig White needs to tear up league 1 this season and I think he'll do really well well hopefully you're right and his granddad will stop moaning <laughs> <laughs> great stuff lads that's all we've got time for this week thanks for listening If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. 